Let's read together Ephesians uh, selections from chapter 5 and 6. Submit one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We're actually going to be in Colossians 3:18 through 21, reading from Ephesians to kind of give the parallel passages that are there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how clear it is and how strongly it states things. And Lord, thank you too for the fact that you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us understand and apply. And as we look at passages that are sometimes considered very difficult, We ask for additional insight and understanding. We pray that we would see what it is that you want us to learn. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Carol and I were married in a double wedding many, many years ago. And in that wedding, Carol's father had a chance to speak to both couples, and he shared some words of encouragement, and I have no clue what he said. I don't remember a word. Uh, Then the other gentleman's father spoke. I don't remember what he said either. And then my dad spoke, and he spoke to me. He didn't talk to Carol at all. He spoke straight to me. And he used verse 1 Peter 3.7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's a powerful verse. And I remember hearing it and thinking about it and remembering to this day what my dad said about it. Because essentially what he was saying to me was, Mark, how you treat Carol, how you get along with her, will impact how God listens to what you have to say. And I took that to heart because when I pray, I I want God to hear and I desperately want him to answer. So I just thought that was an interesting place to start in our married life with a, a warning from my dad saying, Mark, walk with the Lord, walk with your wife, and you'll be able to walk with the Lord. And so that was a real important uh, foundational for me. I'm going to give you three examples, all of them true, all of them things that I or Carol and I lived through in various times as examples of some of the teaching that has been given down through the years in different places about the aspects of uh, submission and headship or leadership, uh, servant leadership. Uh, many years we were invited uh, to the home of a number, uh, uh, to the home of a, a missionary couple. And there were two or three other couples that were there as well. And we got there and there was, you know, all these couples and all these kids running around. And um, 
the, the, the husband, the father, was there sitting in his special chair, and he yelled, and his wife came, and she stood in front of him, and a, a minute that he yelled, I thought he'd call one of his kids, and it wasn't. He was calling his wife, and then he said some harsh and strong things to her while she meekly stood there in front of him, and then he said, go ahead, go do it, and he sent her away. And that was one case, all right? Second case, we were at an all-day marriage conference uh, in Bolivia. Carol and I were there together, and the speaker was using some hypothetical examples in order to encourage um, discussion of various kinds. At one point, he talked about how uh, a man had given uh, a certain, um, I don't remember all the details, but he had set something in motion that it was his thing, and he had put it in place, and he was you know, wanted this to happen. And he left to go to work or something. And at that point, his wife changed it all. Changed it completely. At that point, I noticed there was someone in the, in the group that was there. It was maybe 10, 15 couples. And one of them guys just jumped to his feet and he was shaking. He was so angry. And he says, any woman that does that deserves to be whipped. And he meant it. And nobody said anything about that at that point. Third, I remember hearing a very famous speaker say about abuse, the woman who's going through physical abuse needs to say, this is not my body, it belongs to Jesus, and whatever gets done to me gets done to him, and so I'm just going to, basically being told to just sit there and take it and not fight back and not say anything, but allow the abuse to continue until it was through for that time. And then he gave a couple of personal illustrations about how he had told people to do this and it had all turned out really well and the husband had never done it again and they lived happily ever after. Okay, so those are three extreme examples. I understand that, but they are true and I heard each one of those. I was involved in some way in each of those. Um, let me just say this very carefully. As we get into, we're going to be studying the whole areas of submission and leadership and those things over the next two weeks. Um, abuse in any form by a husband towards his wife or child is sin. I want to just say that straight and clear. I know because Carol and I were brought up in, in, um, in a church tradition where that wasn't handled that way. It was pretty much left to go on, and people may have known about it a little bit, but they didn't do anything. So abuse in any form by a husband towards his wife or children is sin. And there are those who say that the wife's responsibility is to submit no matter what abuse is taking place. Okay, I've heard that said. I've heard it taught. And let me just say this. There is no biblical defense for that statement. Okay, there's no defense to say, well, you just need to sit there and take it, and, and abuse is something that, well, it's just part of what God has for you. I, I, I just think that that's very dangerous counsel. Now, let's move on to Galatians 6-7. We'll move into what we're going to talk about today. Do not be deceived. It's a great place to start, isn't it? <laughs> Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Think of that in context of the examples I just gave. Remembering that God 
will bring upon someone what they have sown. They've sown it, and they will reap that at some point. A teaching that uh, you may have come across says that if there is neither male nor female, then the leadership and submission is not an issue. It's just not a problem at all. Let's go to verse, um, yeah, here it is, 3.28. Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Now, let me just say this real carefully. Um, He's not addressing the same issues in this verse as what we're going to be talking about, so that's one thing. But secondly, uh, yes, we are equal in Christ, but that does not make us the same. We're equal. We aren't the same. Um, We are equal before the Lord, but we have different roles and responsibilities. And I think that's important for us to remember, even in a church. There are some that are elders, some that are deacons, some that are uh, other aspects of leadership. As we're looking at We are all one in Christ. We are equal before the Lord, but there's different roles in that. Uh, Let me give you an example. A slave, Christian slave, is equal to his Christian owner, but there's totally different roles that they play. Okay, so again, that's just kind of keeping some of these things in mind. Now, Karen and I were talking about this uh, next verse, um, Ephesians 5.21, And thinking about all of the years that we sat under teaching about submission um, and sometimes about headship or leadership, but mostly it was about submission, we never heard anybody preach about Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, as I was working through this and thinking through this this week, discovered that the the Greek grammar of Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 um, is is such that it really makes it obvious, if you will, that submitting to one another is part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a, if you look at 5, 18, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There are five things that come after that, and all of those are related to the be filled. Okay, just structurally and grammatically. If you want more detail on that, I can give it to you later. But uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit results in speaking in psalms and hearing spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, always giving thanks to God the Father, and submitting to one another. Okay, so if you get the flow of the passage, what's going on is be filled with the Holy Spirit. And these things are going to happen. These five things. You'll be speaking psalms, hymns, hymns, and spiritual songs. You will be singing and making melody in your hearts. You'll be giving thanks to God and submitting one to the other. All of that is comes flowing out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So there are two principles that come out of that verse in 521. First, as we move into the other passages in, in the Colossians. And the first one is that everything is based on mutual obligation, okay? That's what he's saying. Submit to one another. That's a mutual obligation, one with the other. No, Never one-sided. There are responsibilities for both people in that relationship. Uh, mutual obligation means that rights and responsibilities rest on every person, in this case, the husband and wife. Now, some teach and have taught in the past that all the rights belong to the husband and all the responsibilities belong to the wife. That's not what it says. Okay, we need to be careful that we 
do what it says. So everything is based on mutual obligation, starting with Ephesians 5.21, and all relationships are in the Lord. In other words, everybody in that relationship, husband and wife, both of them answer to the Lord for how they relate to him and for how they relate to each other. And that's a really important thing for us to grab onto and remember as we head into um, the passage here in Colossians. So Again, I just want to, as we head into Colossians 3.18, I want to just say very clearly that we, Karen and I both have heard so many, I think, wrong, and in some cases, deliberately so, teaching on submission that it just really uh, has, been, has been real hard to deal with. Do I think submission and uh, leadership, servant leadership, are part of what God says? Absolutely, it's right here. But you have to start with Ephesians 5.21. There's mutual submission, and then you move on into the other things as well. So um, if you've been hurt by teaching like this, I just want to say I understand. I understand. I've I've seen it happen. And um, we just want to really look at God's Word and say, Lord, you speak to our hearts. Help us to learn what's here. So let's jump into verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Um, Actually, why don't we read these verses together? I had that planned. There we go. Together. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Okay, so wives submit. Now, again, this is a this is a word, and um, it is the Greek form of it is shows that this is a voluntary thing. It is not forced. Okay, it's voluntary. Um, it's a it's in the middle voice. And so submit is submit, but again, it's this voluntary thing, going back to 521, if you will, um, submit to one another. Um, Wives, submit to your husbands, to your own spouse, is what's being said here, as is fitting in the Lord, as is becoming, or as is proper, or as is appropriate and suitable. So what he's saying is submission is all of these things in the Lord, okay? So as you are submitting to your spouse, remember that is something that you are doing in the Lord. Now, in the Lord, really important here. Very important. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Why is that important? Because what the Lord says trumps everything. And if a wife is being asked to do something sinful or wrong, something that is against God's law, she has every right to say, I'm sorry, I can't do this every right and should say. That's why I really think it's important that it says, wives, submit to your husbands in it, as is fitting, as is becoming and proper, in the Lord. Never disobey God or his word, ever, in order to bring yourself in line with whatever uh, your husband is saying. Now, it goes on to husbands. He said, husbands, love your wives. And again, this is one of those verses that that I've, I've heard kind of preached in, in, I think, foolish ways. This is not erotic love. It's not brotherly love. This is agape love. And so as you're thinking about husband, love your wives, think about Christ loved his disciples 
and he washed their feet. Christ loved his disciples and us, and he went to a cross and died. Okay, so it's really important that we get the force of what Paul is saying here. Husbands, love your wives. Yeah, you need to love your wives. Do what is best for her, no matter what the cost is to you. That's love. That's agape love. So you do whatever you have to do, whatever you can do to show and demonstrate your love for your wife. And it doesn't matter what it costs you. That's agape love. And Paul says, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Don't be bitter. Uh, The whole idea of being irritated and angry comes through here. But just stop and think about agape love. That is what's being spoken of. And this is a culturally This is a radical, radical statement that Paul is making. And he's making it to a church in Colossae that is not primarily Jewish. It's primarily Greek and Roman. And so he's making this statement to them, saying when it comes to your responsibility for your wife, this is what it should look like. The love of Jesus Christ for his church. Put them up side by side, and you should be matching that in every way possible in your love for your wife. Under Jewish and Greek law and custom, too, uh, all privileges belong to the husband and all of the duties belong to the wife. And here in Christianity, Paul is addressing the wives as co-equals with the husband. He's addressing them in the sense that they are a believer, they are intelligent. They are all of these things. Whereas in the Roman and Greek culture, they would not even refer to women. They would just not be discussed. They would have no purpose in being addressed. And Paul throws it on its head by speaking to wives and to children and to slaves. All of the stuff he does is way outside of what normally would be done in the culture if you're speaking from the Roman perspective. <clears throat> One writer suggests that the best example of mutual submission to both the husband and the wife is a three-legged race. If you've ever raced in the three-legged race, you realize that if you are not perfectly in sync with this person, you're not only not going to make the finish line, you're going to take a tumble or several. And I think it's actually right. A husband and wife have got to be linked together in a way that they are going the same direction. They are cooperating. They are working together. That's what Paul's talking about when he talks about mutual submission. There's an implication here. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So wives, adapt yourselves to your husbands, and this is from the Phillips translation, that your marriage may be a Christian unity. I like the way he, he translated that. So submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, and then Phillips comes along and says, adapt yourselves to your husbands that your marriage may be a Christian unity. What a great way to state what marriage should be. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and share some of these because as I studied through this week and I was looking at these things, I came up with a whole bunch of things that, that biblical submission is not. So at the end, we'll talk about more of the other side of it. But the, just and, and the reason is that I've seen so many of these things taught and played out and in situations, and and it's heartbreaking, but let me just share them. Biblical submission is not blind obedience or passivity, okay? It's not the husband coming home and saying, front and center, you need to do this, this, and this, yes, sir, and then she leaves. No, 
That is not the point. Biblical submission is not forced. It is voluntary, conscience, and submission is to a proper authority. Okay, so again, Paul's making it very clear. Husband, wife, in this setting, the wife should submit to her husband, given all the other things that are, that are being said as well. They're submitting to each other, but in her role would be that. The never, it, it never includes disobedience to God. And I've seen so many times, Carol and I have had someone come in, and we spend time talking with them, and they tell us what they've done, and we say, why? Well, my husband said I had to do that. And at that point, we had to go back and start going through, okay, so now let's look at what the Scripture says. Is there ever a time that we can say, I'm going to obey my husband rather than God? And that's not how they saw it, but that's really what was going on. Biblical submission is not going to include disobedience to God, uh, whether it be the laws of God or the laws of the nation. Um, and then <clears throat> the last two, Biblical submission is never about giving in to any form of abuse or danger. Okay, be really, I want to be careful with this, but I've seen this happen so many times, and it's heartbreaking. Uh, the woman, uh, the wife will go to someone and seek counsel and say, well, you know, basically you just have to try harder, pray more. It's going to be okay. And many times it's not. So never giving in to any form of abuse or danger for herself or or the children. And then biblical submission does not include hiding someone else's sin. I can't tell you how many times Carol and I have been talking with someone, they said, well, they went and did blank. And we said, that's illegal. They can't do that. Well, you know, I can't turn them in. Yeah, you can and you should. He's doing something wrong, something illegal. Call the police and deal with it. That's, you want to be a submissive wife? Fine. Then hold your husband accountable before God for what he's doing. Um, so it does not include hiding someone else's sin. Galatians 6, 7 again says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And uh, again, thinking that through in, in submission and the way submission has been taught in some places where it's absolute and there's no way of questioning, um, no appeal, <clears throat> Constable said this, and I found it interesting that he, that he actually said this. I would not have thought that he, he would, but he did. The wife's primary responsibility is to obey the Lord. That's a great starting point, isn't it? So is the husband, so is the, chi- so is the child's. But the wife's primary responsibility is to obey the Lord. When she encounters conflicting authorities, the Lord or her husband... Uh, the Lord, through his word, telling her to do one thing, and her husband telling her to do a contradictory thing, this is important, she should always obey the Lord. That's really important. It's important to think through. It's important to apply. So every Christian's responsibility is to obey God's word and to do his will. Remember, that's exactly what the apostles said when they were brought and said, hey, you've been, we told you not to preach in this name and you keep doing it. What's going on? And they said, we, Acts 5.29, must obey God rather than men. And when it comes to a husband or a wife, a child that is in a situation where they're being asked to do something against what God says, the verse is we must obey God rather 
than men. So husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them, verse 19. Husbands, be sure that you give your lives. This is from the Phillips. Be sure you give your, lo- your wives much love and sympathy. Do not let bitterness or resentment spoil your marriage. That's a really good statement. Love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Ephesians 5.25 adds this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Want to see the standard? There's the standard. Um, the husband must not give his wife the same, a husband must give his wife the same sort of love that Christ gave the church when he sacrificed himself for it. So husbands are to sacrifice themselves for their wives, whatever it takes. Christ-like sacrificial leadership by the husband will keep ultimate good of his wife. It's, it's the next one, sir. I didn't give you a cue. I'm sorry. Thank you. Christ-like sacrificial leadership by the husband will keep the ultimate good of his wife in view at all times. You've got a husband that says he loves his wife. Here's the reality. You keep her ultimate good first and foremost in your mind no matter what's happening. And then he goes on to say, he will seek to lead by serving. That's what, where we get the phrase servant leadership. Uh, headship is the word that, that was used when I was growing up, but I really prefer the servant leadership because I think that's what's being described. So husbands are to serve their wives in the same way that Jesus served his disciples. Remember what did Jesus do? He came in, humbled himself, and washed all of their feet. Washed all their feet. And then... Not too long after that, carried a cross and died for us. Well, let's move on. Let's um, read these verses together again. Keep going. It's the next one. There we go. Let's read together. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, for they will become discouraged. And so now we shift. I mean, there was instructions for husbands and wives. Now there's instructions um, for children and parents. And it's interesting because... Again, remember, Paul's addressing a group of people that in the Roman world would be ignored. No one would be talking to children. And the the fact that he's talking to them and giving these instructions means they're old enough to be sitting in church and understanding, because this letter went to the people of Colossae and and the church there. So he says, children, obey your parents. And this obedience is a totally different word than the one that we saw earlier. And, And the other word we talked about, submission. This is obedience, and it's a sense of duty and dependence on their parents. Now, to obey here is present tense, and that implies that it is an ongoing thing. It's every day, all day, ongoing. So children, you are supposed to obey your parents. Now, obey implies with it that they're going to listen, and they're going to carry out parental instructions. That's the idea behind children, obey your parents. Now it says in everything, and that's all things, but let me add here again, 
never is there a command in God's word that would take us down the path of disobedience to God. So if there's something here that a parent is asking a child to do, and it's sinful, the child can very respectfully say, no, I can't do this. I'm Karen, I know of people whose uh, fathers would try to get the children to drive them home. They had no driver's license, and they were drunk, and so they were trying to force their child to do some things that were illegal. That's really hard to put your child in that kind of a situation. And Paul is saying, children, obey your parents in everything, but remember, everything doesn't mean anything sinful or illegal. But he says, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. The Lord sees your obedience, and he is pleased with that. So children's obedience to their parents is, is to be complete. Why? Because he says it's in everything. Why? Because it pleases the Lord. That's an important thing to remember. Now, Christian children are addressed here. This is really, I've mentioned it a couple times, but I'm coming back to it. Paul's addressing Christian children as if they are sitting there listening to the letter being read in the congregation, knowing they're old enough to understand it. So he's talked to wives, talked to husbands, now he's talking to children and to the parents. And so Paul is elevating the teaching of the day way above what was being done in, in the Roman or Greek world. Um, and he urges them to obey and their parents and everything. And then it says, fathers, do not embitter your children. And that's the whole idea of to provoke them. Philip says, don't overcorrect them. Uh, in other words, don't parent them to death. Um, and there's, there's balances there, isn't there? You know, we have to be really careful that we don't, and, and I was much more the, that kind of a disciplinarian, and uh, there are many times now that I wish I could go back and be a little bit different in the way I did things. Um, but fathers, do not embitter your children. Don't provoke them, or they will become discouraged. Uh, they'll be without heart or spirit, despondent. Uh, Phillips says, or they will grow up feeling inferior and frustrated. Uh, which is a great paraphrase. Now, let me just share a couple thoughts here quickly before we finish this morning. <clears throat> In the Roman world, the husband was the head of the family. He was the absolute patriarch over everything. Wives, children, slaves. He had the right to do what he wanted to do with any of them. Some say that he even had the right to sell his own children into slavery and have his wife killed. That's all part of what he could do legally in the Greek and Roman culture. So when Paul comes along and begins talking about love your wives and, and you know, help your children to obey and, 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 and wives, submit to your husbands in the Lord, all those kinds of things, Paul is now talking in ways that are so totally against the culture and yet biblical. Paul, what Paul's teaching is what God wants us to know. Um, it came across this, the idea that women and children and slaves could act in an ethically responsible way would never have been considered a reality in the Roman world. I mean, they were just so far beneath men that they, they couldn't think in those ways. And that was, that was the thinking of the day. So I came across this, this quote here, Paul's teaching addresses wives, children, and slaves as responsible, moral beings, full members of the body of Christ. 
Okay, so you see, now in, in this section of the letter, what Paul is saying is, let me tell you who we are in Christ. Let me tell you, husbands, wives, children, slaves, all of us belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to be thinking in different terms than the culture has been thinking generally. Okay, so that's, that's where he's going with that. And again, Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And so Paul's trying to say, listen, husbands, listen, wives, listen, children, listen, slaves. We're all one in Christ. We have different roles. We have different responsibilities within that. But we all belong to Christ. And that's the starting point. That's the foundation. From there we build the family and the church and the culture. Another quote, the gospel in which there is no Greek or Jew, slave or free, male or female, recognizes each individual person as a full person and is concerned to protect each person's rights, not to enforce his or her subordination. So as Paul's writing, understand, he's talking in a way that protects each of the people that he's mentioning things to. He wants to protect women in their role, and protect husbands in their role, and protect children and slaves. And we'll be studying slaves and masters next week. So again, remember, as Paul's writing these things, these things are so countercultural. These things are so against the, the statements of the day that I think sometimes we don't get that. We forget how this must have made some people just sit up and say, wow, that's incredible. What do we take away from all of this? <clears throat> Carol and I grew up, as I've mentioned already, in a tradition that was very strongly patriarchal and male-centered. And um, we were talking this week, wondering, and this is before we were married and, and moved out, but um, how many times we ever heard a sermon specifically dealing with husbands loving their wives? It was very rare. There were a lot of sermons about wives submitting to their husbands. And again, I think that's, that's a mistake in the way that it was approached in, in, in our particular tradition. But we both grew up with that tradition, and it impacted us on some level when we got married. And um, you know, we went through all kinds of different things and different struggles as we uh, raised support, went to South America, and then came back afterwards. And one of those times, uh, we were living in Colorado Springs, and uh, we were looking at some starter houses, and... You know, more than anything in the world, I just wanted something we could call our own, or we put down our roots, and, you know, that, that was it. I didn't have to worry about moving every now and then. And so we saw this place I really loved, and I said, Carol, I, I just think we ought to do this. And she kind of looked at me and says, I'm not sure we should. And so we talked about it a little bit, and she was still hesitant, and I was still pretty gung-ho about it. And so I think based more on um, just our own experience and the teaching we'd had previously, she said, well, you know what? If you think we should do this, you go ahead. I won't stand in the way. So I did. I put, I put some money down on it. And um, I didn't know this, but at that time, Carol started to pray. If I am wrong, Lord, change me. If Mark is wrong, change him. And that's all she said, which I thought was powerful. <clears throat> a couple of days later, I woke up and I was overwhelmed with the sense that I had made a huge mistake 
that I'd put out money on something and that we never should have done this. And so long process, we finally were able to say, no, we can't do this, and we would really love to get our deposit back, and we did, which was a real blessing. It's interesting, because after that, I just was thinking through, I'm not sure how much later after that, but I remember thinking something along these lines, um, Mark, if you do anything ever that ignores Carol's opinion on something, you're an idiot. That was pretty much the voice I was hearing in my head, <clears throat> and rightly so. Um, you know, we've never, ever had that happen again. I realize there's absolutely no way I want to do anything unless we are in this together. And if it means that I don't get something that I really think we should do, because Carol's saying, yeah, I don't think we should, that's okay. That is okay. And so that's where we have come down to in that whole area. And um, ever since, you know, 35 years have gone by, and it's never, ever been an issue again. Submission. Let me just put down what I think, as we look at it, what it, what it looks like or should look like. Submission starts out by being mutual. Submit, therefore, one to another. Submission is doing what is right in God's sight. Submission means continuing to develop godly character, both the husband and wife, continuing to grow, continuing to develop, continuing to build into the other's life. Because that is what it's all about. Submission is an attitude of trust in God. God, you've set the system up. Help us to do it in the way that you've designed and help us to honor each other, help us to lift each other up, help us to encourage and strengthen our kids. Again, submission is not an issue of inferiority, losing an identity, becoming a non-person. It is a sense of saying, okay, we're in this together and we have different roles and different responsibilities. We're co-equal in the eyes of God. And, and to continue working through those things. Ephesians 5.21, again, says, Submit to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. That's why you do it. Because you, you honor and respect and revere Christ himself. And Paul says, if you reverence and honor and respect and hold Christ up, then you need to submit to one another because that is out of reverence for Christ. Interesting, Genesis 2.20. And, and if you've kind of sitting there thinking, how does all this go together? I'll just have to say, I'm not sure. <laughs> it just, as I was working through it, some of these things came together for me. Genesis 2.20, Adam, it's called to name all the animals, but it says very clearly, no helper was found suitable for him or complementary to him or corresponding to him. Okay, What's the implication there? Adam needed a partner, not a servant. Again, that's, I'm just making an application based on what happened in, in um, Genesis 2.20. But as you look at it, when he meets um, Eve, it's all the, now this is someone who is with me. She, she corresponds to me. I correspond to her. So there's this general sense of we're in this together that comes right, right in from the very beginning. 
You want a great example of a woman who was free in every way to serve her family well? Look at the Proverbs 31 woman. And I remember reading that. Karen and I were talking about this, and I read it this week, and I got tired just reading about all the stuff she did. This lady, I couldn't believe it. I'm reading it and going, holy smokes. You know what's impressive? She has her husband's heart. He was with her. Said, go for it. He did not hold her back in any way. She wanted to move forward in these areas. He trusted her, respected her, and turned her loose. And if you look at what what she did, it's pretty impressive. It says later that her children and her husband rise in her presence and call her blessed. Let me just give you two definitions that I came across this week for submission and then for servant leadership. And again, I'm not trying to say I have the ultimate word on any of this. This is just my own working through these things over the last 40 years or so. Submission is looking at your husband with all his pluses and minuses, all the good stuff and not good so, and not so good stuff, and seeing yourself as God's instrument to encourage and strengthen him in his walk with Christ. That's a great way to put it. It's not blindly saying, oh, he's everything, he's so good, and he never makes mistakes. That's silliness. Every wife knows it's different than that. Submission is looking at your husband with all of his pluses and minuses, seeing yourself as the instrument, or one of God's instruments, to encourage and strengthen him in his walk with Christ. That's the point in that mutual relationship. Servant leadership means a husband will give the best of all that he is to do his wife and those under his care and authority. Um, It means to willingly serve his wife in any way that is needed. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter what the cost to him is. If it's something that she or the kids absolutely need from me, then that needs to be given. On a lighter note, Martin Luther, who was not a huge fan of of men being over women in, in an overbearing way, and yet understanding that there were certain roles and responsibilities, said this about servant leadership and submission. Let the wife make the husband glad to come home, and let him make her sorry to see him leave. Isn't that sweet? That last quote for us. In a marriage lived according to these truths, love between a husband and his wife will show itself in listening to each other's viewpoints, valuing each other's gifts, wisdom, and desires, honoring one another in public and in private, and always seeking to bring benefit, not harm, to one another. Let's pray. Lord, we approach uh, this passage of Scripture, and uh, we freely acknowledge that uh, you're the only one that can help us live these truths out well. Lord, we also acknowledge that you long for husbands and wives and children to be able to to be one in, in the way that they pursue you and in the way that they live as a family. 
And so, Lord God, I pray that as we leave this place today, you would challenge and encourage. Help us to think through these things and to study them again and to look at it and to learn what it is that you want from us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and respond with a couple of verses of this uh, this prayer this morning. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Hold me and make me after thy God, we humbly bow before you. We thank you for your position of God, Father, Creator, and we thank you for the men and women you've placed in our lives. May we honor one another, may we submit to each other, and may we follow you as a pattern in our lives of loving and forgiving and cherishing one another. Lord, thank you for your love. May we live that out this week. In your name, amen.